Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. A little forewarning. I started as a special education teacher in January. And so I'll be telling some stories about my kiddos because I love them to death and they're hilarious. So um, I have a picture. James, can you put that class picture up for me? Oh, so cute. You see the one in the middle not smiling at all? Um, I'm going to kind of go through their names so you kind of get a snapshot of all my kids. Um, this, the girl all the way to the left, is Hazel. Um, the one next to her is Alex. He actually only stayed with me for two weeks, so he's not in my class anymore. Um, Don is the one who's not smiling. Uh, Akila is on the side of him, and Akila actually did not want to smile for this picture, so someone hurried up and went up and tickled her, and then she made that weird little smile that she's making right there. And then the one next to her is Jaharian. If you have heard me talk about school at all, you've heard this name. He is the one who is like the behavior problem, but he's hilarious, and he makes me laugh. And then up at the top, we have Nevea with the little red bow sticking up, and Claude Jeanet, who's the sweetest kid in the world. And the one on the side of that is Amber with her, her awkward smile. So I have two kids who actually aren't in this picture. So James, can you show the one with the orange jacket? <laughs> That's Gene. Gene is nonverbal, so he can't talk. Um, he can't say mom, and he surely says no a lot. Um, and the reason I'm holding the flowers in front of him is because he, he walks around in a walker and he has to like take five minutes to bend over to get something. And he picked all those flowers for me. So he's the sweetest little thing. I know. And then can you show my last little kiddo, the one with the red shirt? <laughs> this is Kevin. And so I'm going to be sharing a story about Kevin because Kevin is hilarious. So now that you know about my kiddos, I'm going to tell y'all a story. So one morning I had a meeting, and so I got to school kind of late. And when I got to school, I opened up the door, and my kids ran up and like, Miss Oye, you're here. And I was like, oh, I feel so special. And uh, whenever I got in there, I asked my teacher's assistant, because we do test days on Friday. And so I said, did they do all their tests? Were they good? Were they on target? Were they on point? And she's like, yes, they did awesome. They got all their work done. And I was shocked because they don't usually get their work done with me. So I was like, wow, maybe you should run the class. Um, and so I was like, well, that's great. And I was praising them. I was like, y'all did such a good job. I'm so proud of y'all. Wonderful job. And then all of a sudden, Kevin decides he wants to act the fool in my classroom. And so he starts jumping around. He starts screaming and hollering. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to calm this kid down before it, like, gets to a level that I can't control it at. And so I just gave him a look. Now, the thing about this look is that whenever I give it to one of my kids, I'll say, not today. So I do this to Jaharian a lot. So I look at Jaharian, and he'll be doing something he's not supposed to. And I'm like, not today, Jaharian. Not today. We're not doing it today. I'm having a rough day. Just don't do it today. And so I gave this look to Kevin. And before I could even say anything, <laughs> Jaharian elbows Kevin, and he goes, not today, Kevin. Not today. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. So it's funny how my kids are starting to recognize, like, what I'm saying and starting to say it, too. So... I started thinking about how I could apply this to my message because I really wanted to tell the story because, like I said, I love my kiddos. 
Um, so God placed a question on my heart, and I want to share it with y'all. And it, it is, how many times do we tell God, not today? And so this brought me to the title of my message, and Jonathan thinks it's the cheesiest thing in the world, but I'm pretty proud of it. So can you put that on the thing, James? I think James thinks it's cheesy, too. Is it going to come up? No? It's not coming up? It's not there? Nope. Did it? Well, that was on my fault. Well, anyway, it was call God today, but I put it, like, as a little phone number. So it was like, man, I can't. I can't show y'all. Anyway, it had like the little C in the parentheses where like the one goes and like 337 was like A-L-L. So I call and then God today. But anyway, never mind. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I thought it was pretty clever, but it didn't come up. So it's not a big deal. All right. So anyway, jumping back into the message, um, I want to ask another question. How many times do we push God to the side because of our current circumstance. And that's kind of what I mean by like, not today, God. So does that kind of make sense to everyone? When I say not today, it's meaning like when we push God to the side, when we're not having it today. Um, And when I answered this question, I honestly was disappointed in my answer. How many times did I tell God not today? And more often than not, I'm saying, God, not today. It's been a stressful day. I'm just tired. I can't do it right now. Maybe not today, but tomorrow, tomorrow I'll get to it. I'll get to talking to you or whatever. And I want you to ask yourself that same questions. How many times do I tell God not today? And so I know that question can bring a lot of conviction, and it might make you feel kind of ashamed at your answer, because that's what it did for me. But there's still hope. There's a good part to this. So the thing about this question is you can change the answer. It's not something that you're like, oh, I have to stay stuck in this. I constantly tell God, not today, not today. You can change the answer to your question. So I want you to flip the script a little bit. And instead of asking, how many times do I tell God not today? Let's ask, why do I tell God not today? What is the reasoning behind why I keep telling God not today, not today, tomorrow? What is our reasoning behind that? So I'm going to look back at Kevin's story a little bit, and I'm going to um, apply some scripture to it as well. And I have three reasons why we may tell God not today. And, I mean, guys, there's probably so many reasons in this world that we tell him not today. But we're just going to look at three of them, and hopefully it will apply to your situations. So the first one is, I say not today because something is not going the way I want it to. So looking back at my story about Kevin, Kevin was not doing what I wanted him to do. He was not behaving, and he was doing something that was making the environment unpleasant for everyone. So if we apply this to our lives, how many times do things get out of control in our lives? Things that just come up randomly, and we have no way of controlling it. And how many times does that one circumstance ruin our whole day? It makes the whole day terrible, and you constantly just sulk in your misery because it was the worst thing that ever happened to you. And when that happens, we try to take control. We try to do something to hold our fists and keep that situation tight within our hands. And we don't allow God to come into our situation. 
We do what feels right instead of asking God what we should do about the situation or the circumstance. We say, not today, God. We try to control the situation ourselves. And so, looking at the Bible, adding some application from the Bible here, we're going to look at a man in the Bible, and I think this man has kind of a really bad reputation, but I think the good thing about him is that you can learn a lot of lessons from him, too. So we're going to look at Saul, the king. <laughs> he's, he does, no, he's not that bad. A lot. He was kind of bad towards the end, but we'll get there. All right, so we need to remember that Saul was an amazing man of God at one point. So in 1 Samuel 9 and 10, if y'all want to go back and read that tonight, y'all can do that. But I'm going to kind of sum it up a little bit. God had Samuel appoint Saul as the next king. And God changed Saul's heart. So Samuel went to Saul and prophesied all these things over him, saying, you're going to be the next king. And whenever you're walking down the road, you're going to meet some people that have some instruments, and they're going to be playing worship. You're going to join them, and you're going to start to prophesy. And all of that came true. Saul was traveling down the road, and all of a sudden, he hears these people playing music, and he joins them, and he starts prophesying to them. He starts prophesying to people on the road. So you have to understand, like, this was a man of God. Like, God changed his heart. And he was becoming the next king. And so for a whole year, um, Saul reigned as king, and he was following the will and the direction of the Lord. And then we go into Samuel 13, and this is where things start getting kind of bad for Saul. Poor Saul. Poor Saul. Um, so we're going to look at 1 Samuel 13, 5 through 14. Got it. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. These are hard names, guys, I'm just saying. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings, and Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And I'm going to drink water because that was a lot of words. So, looking back at that scripture, just like Saul, we let our circumstance define if we call on God or not. We often don't call on God because we don't trust that he will be there for us. Just like in this passage, he decided to take control of the situation and do what he thought was best instead of asking God, like, 
What is the thing to do in this situation? So one of the whys behind us telling God not today is because it's hard for us to trust him and let go of our control through our circumstance. And guys, I'm not saying, preaching up here, saying I'm doing this all good and right, because I'm not. And this is probably one of the hardest things I struggle with, is letting go of control and letting God take over the circumstance or the situation. But just like Saul, and like Samuel was telling Saul, because you did this foolish thing, your kingdom will not endure. Your kingdom will not prosper. You're not going to be king for much longer because God has appointed someone who's going to be after his heart. And so, unfortunately, when we do this, we miss out on the blessings God has for us and we lose out on his anointing. And that's a scary place to be, guys. We need to be reminded that we can trust God wholeheartedly and hand over our situation to him. When something isn't going the way you want it to, you need to stand on this truth. God never gives up on you. In Psalm 33, 4, it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. And scripture is always right, right, guys? So we should believe that. He is faithful in all that he does. And in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, it says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So I think this scripture is so important because whenever we have control over a situation, this is what happens. We grow weary. We grow tired. We're, we're not enough for the situation, guys. And then we just keep keeping the control and that's not what we were created to do. Our creator created us to go to him, to talk with him, to commune with him so that we can have strength, so that we can um, increase our power. So this is such an important thing to learn in your Christian walk. In those moments where you push him to the side, he never gives up. And that, that's crazy to me. Because if you think about a friendship and someone who keeps pushing you to the side, are you going to keep going back to that person? Probably not. But even still, whenever we continue to push God to the side and say, not today, the next day God is still right there at our front door saying, come and talk to me. Come and get some strength from me. Come and get some power from me. I'm still here for you. He never gives up on you. And you are so valuable to him. So when you relinquish control and you come to him and call on him, he's able to step into your circumstance. And the thing about that is it might not look like how you want it to. And that's where we, we falter and we say, God, you're not here with me. You're not, you're not on my side because you're not giving me everything that I need in this certain situation. But God's saying, I am giving you everything you need. You just need to be patient a little bit. Still something that I'm dealing with. Um, he's always on your side. Okay. Um, so I've been in Celeste and Kelsey's life group, and we've been reading a book called Unglued. And it's like on your emotions and making wise decisions in your emotions. Also something I need to work on. Um, and so I'm going to you, give you kind of a recap of the chapter we read the other day. And they were talking about Joshua and how um, God had spoke to him and said, the city of Jericho is going to fall. Um, I need you to walk around 
uh, for seven days and do all this, like, precise, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, um, do all these precise things and the city of Jericho will fall. If you think about it, would you go and march around a building for seven days and really think that's a good idea? Probably not. I don't think if God had shown me that, that I would go and walk around a building for seven days. So it was saying in this chapter how Joshua kind of felt that way. Because he's like, what if we walk around this building for seven days and nothing happens? Then I just look like a fool and no one's going to trust in God. No one's going to believe in God. There was so much pressure on Joshua. And so um, God came down in the form of a man and went and talked to Joshua. And as he's talking to Joshua, Joshua is saying, are you on, my, on our side or on our enemy's side? And you would think in that situation, God would be like, I'm on your side. You know, like you could see like the little, I don't know. I don't know what it's called, the little, anyway. Um, so you would think, yeah, like God's going to say, I'm on your side. You're like great and awesome. I'm on your side. Um, but no, he didn't do that. He actually said neither. How comfortable would you feel if God looked at you and said, I'm not on your side, I'm not on their side, I'm just going to balance in the middle. And so whenever I was reading that, I was like, that doesn't make sense. In like normal terms, it just doesn't make sense. But she went on to say that Joshua had asked the wrong question. He asked God, are you on our side or enemy side? And the question he should have been asking is, whose side am I on? And that's, that's crazy to think that we do that a lot. That we're always like, God, are you here for me? Are you, are you listening to me? Are you answering my prayers? Are you doing this for me? Are you really on my side? And God's just asking you, well, whose side are you on? Are you going to trust me when things start to get rough? Are you going to trust me when things seem out of control? Whose side are you on? And that leads me into my next point. Um, so the next point, it says, I say not today because I just don't feel like talking about or addressing the situation. How many times have you had the longest day and you go home and you're like, I'm going to read my Bible tonight. And then you get home and things start piling up, homework and chores and all these different things. And when you get in bed, all you want to do is go to bed. You don't want to talk to God. You don't want to read your Bible. You just want to go to bed and go to sleep. Am I the only one? Making sure. <laughs> if not, I was going to skip the point. So, for my students, I often have to repeat myself over and over and over and over again, and it gets tiring. And so, even with Jonathan, I'll go like see him at his house, and he's like, "How was your day?" And I'm like, "Good. I don't want to use any more words. Can we just watch TV or something?" And often we do the same thing with God. We use up all our words throughout the day. We use up all our energy. And when we come to God, we're totally empty. And we say, okay, just not today. I'll, I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow morning. I'll start next week. I just can't do it today. So we do the same thing with God. Or it's, it's a thing where you're tired of repeating the same prayer. Like you keep going into your relationship with God and you're talking to him and you're like, man, why hasn't this happened yet? I keep praying for this for years and years and years and you're just not even addressing the situation. So why should I address it? And so 
After a long day, we might just not feel like talking, so instead we stuff away our emotions. Instead, we take all that in and we say, okay, I'm not even going to deal with it. I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm just going to keep it inside, and it'll work itself out. So we're going to look at another story about Saul. Poor Saul. I feel so bad for Saul. So setting up the story, um, Saul had told his men not to eat um, before the evening came because they were about to go into battle. This was not a declaration from the Lord. This is something he just decided to come up with. Does that really make sense to not have your men eat before they go into war? Not really. I mean, if it came from God, it probably wouldn't make sense, but it was just Saul's own little command that he decided to come up with. Well, his son was rebellious and decided not to listen. So Jonathan decided he would go eat some honey, because why not? The honey's right there. I'm going to eat some. And so... To try and take control of the situation, Saul told the people to bring their animals, and they slaughtered their animals. Does that make sense? Not really. (laughs) I don't understand how slaughtering animals would help you with the honey situation. But anyway, so then it goes into this scripture, and it says, it's 1 Samuel 14, 35. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first time he had done this. And another version says, And Saul built an altar to the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built to the Lord. And so I was trying to wrap my brain around what that meant, because sometimes I have to read scriptures over and over again to really understand it. And I read this one about ten times, and I still didn't understand it. So I went and I looked at some commentary, which is just meaning like it gives you a description of what that certain scripture means. And so one of the commentaries said this, He began to build an altar to Yahweh, but he did not finish it in his haste to pursue the Philistines that night. So he started the altar, which is good, right? But whenever the situation came up, when something came up, he he didn't finish it. And so that's very important to see. And then another commentary stated, um, though he had occasion to do so off air this time, so that's meaning like, For this particular occasion, he went and built the altar. So this is quoted as another evidence of his neglect of God and his worship. It is true Saul sacrificed before this as at Gilgal, but that was upon an old altar erected by others. And so just like this commentary stated, Saul started to make a sacrifice, but he did not finish it because he began focusing on his circumstance. He began focusing on the Philistines. And looking back at the part in the scripture where it says this is the first time he had built an altar to the Lord, it showed evidence of his neglect to God and his neglect of worship. It said before, he had he had did it once before. He had built, well, not really built an altar, but he had sacrificed an altar. But he used someone else's altar. So he wasn't even going before the Lord and building it himself. He wasn't doing it in his own personal time. So I think Saul began to forget how important it was to God to share his heart. If Saul would have realized that God just wants to hear my heart, he just wants to hear about my day, he just wants to know what's going on in my heart, um, he may have started to build the altar to look good in front of his people, but he didn't finish it. And that shows you where he was at in his relationship with God right there. He wasn't finishing what he was starting out, and he wasn't really searching for the Lord. He was just trying to look good for his people. 
Once Saul began to let his circumstances define him, he became consumed with this not-today attitude towards God. And his not-today attitude began changing into not this week, and then not this month, and then not this year. And then eventually consumed him so much that it was a not ever. So when you say not today because you don't feel like talking or addressing the situation, you need to focus on the truth that he genuinely loves getting to talk to you. God loves talking to you guys. And I think a lot of people don't want to go before God because it's a painful or a hurtful situation. It's something that's not easy. And that's why it's hard to talk about. But God is no stranger to hurt or to pain or the feelings that we feel. God has experienced every single feeling that you have felt. And, you know, I just get a picture. Um, I went through inner healing a while back. And it's just something where God will take you to places where you've, like, in the past or things that have happened to you. Um, and he'll begin to heal those pl- those places and those wounds and stuff like that. Um, and there's a certain situation that happened to me as a kid, and we had to lament about it. And a lament is basically like you're just spilling out your guts before the Lord. And so I began to spill out my guts before the Lord. And the person who was um, in charge of, like, going through the whole thing, because there's someone, like, helping lead you through the whole process, um, she told me, to picture what Jesus was doing with me in that moment. And so I pictured what Jesus was doing with me in that moment. And as I looked at his face while the circumstance was happening to me, I saw his eyes start to well up with tears. And I saw him grabbing his chest as like he was experiencing the same hurt and pain as I was. And so Guys, you really need to understand that whenever you're going through a hard situation, God's not punishing you. He's not sitting there with his finger saying, okay, I guess I'm going to mess with her today. He's sitting there experiencing that same pain, that pain and that hurt and the feelings that you're feeling. So why, why would we not go and talk to the one who's experiencing those things with us? Yeah, anyway, sorry, a little spill. Um. So on those days where you say not today, in those moments where you're feeling the most hurt and the most pain and you're shutting God out, he just wants to hear from you. Like I said, he never gives up. He's always there at the door just waiting for you to talk to him. He's a jealous, passionate God, and he wants to commune with you. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Just like Saul became more and more complacent with his walk with God, we can easily have the same thing happen to us. The more you begin to say, not today, not today, not today, it becomes more of a regular thing, and then you just don't even think about it. So you really have to be careful with how many times you tell God not today because you need him every day. You can't go one day without him. The less amount of time you spend with someone, the farther away it keeps you from them. And I just think about a friendship. I mean, if some, if you haven't talked to someone in years, you really think you're going to be able to relate with them and know what they're going through? Probably not if you haven't talked to them in forever. And if you don't reach out and talk with them for days or weeks or months at a time, your relationship is going to be idle. It's never going to grow. 
And that's the same thing with our relationship with God. If you're not putting in the effort, if you're not taking the time to talk with him, things are going to be idle. And I think a lot of times we begin to blame God for that. We begin to say, why is my relationship with you idle? Why am I not receiving a breakthrough? Why am I not getting this, this, and this? And it might be because you're not putting in the effort. I'm not saying all the time. I'm not saying all the time. But just sometimes we might not be putting in the effort and um, putting into that relationship like we should be. And just like a plant, if it's not connected to the roots, it's going to start to wither. It's going to start to die. And if we aren't connecting with God and talking with him, our relationship will do the same. John 15, 1, 4 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we're not going to bear fruit unless we're remaining in God, unless we're connecting with him and talking with him. God wants to hear from you guys, so don't think he's not listening. He wants to hear everything you have to say, which leads me to my next point and my last point. Um, I say not today because I'm getting frustrated or aggravated about the situation. Going back to my Kevin story one last time, Kevin was doing something that was aggravating me and upsetting me because he was jumping around my classroom like a little maniac. And so that's why I gave him the look of, well, not today, Kevin, because I don't feel like correcting you about jumping all around my classroom. Um, so, so often in life, emotions can control our spiritual life. They determine if we call on God or not. And I just think about the other day how I was tired and I was mad and I went home and I was like, God, I'm not doing it. This is, I had a rough day. And that's just letting our emotions get in the way of talking to our creator, to the one who wants to talk to us every day. So we're going to look at this last passage about Saul and see how his emotions affected his decisions that he made, which caused him to turn away from the Lord and not listen to the Lord's commands. So Saul and his men were going to um, the, how do you say, Donna? Amalekites. I keep saying Amalekites. Whatever. Amalekites. They were going to the Amalekites, and they were given an instruction from the Lord to kill everything. Every person, every animal, like everything had to be dead because it was an evil, um, they were wicked people. And so um, Saul didn't listen and then decided to keep a few animals and keep the king to torture him. And then he lied to Samuel about it and said, oh, yeah, we killed everything. So Saul's just, poor Saul, man. He's just messing himself up. But anyway, so 1 Samuel 15, 16 through 26 says, Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And Saul's probably like, oh, yay, he's giving me another prophecy, but not quite. So he said, tell me, replied Saul. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy these wicked people, the Malachites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. 
Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Do you notice how he said, your God, not my God? But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, divination. Thank you, tree. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, I violated the Lord's commands and your instructions. I was afraid. Fear is an emotion. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Now, I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Take some more water. So, did you notice that that fear controlled his decision, which therefore caused him to become farther away from the Lord and be rejected by the Lord? We don't want that. (laughs) A piece of calling on God is not just talking to him, but also listening to what he has to say. So, Saul did not do this, and his heart was full of regret afterwards. But he allowed his emotions, his fear, to control his obedience to the Lord. How many times do we allow our motions to get in the way, which causes us to stumble and fall because we're making our own decisions off of based off of our emotions. Calling on God not only requires you to talk, but also to hear from him. When emotions begin to control you or control if you talk to God or not, focus on the truth that God is in full pursuit of you. So I just think about the example of Jonathan and whenever we were dating. And so there was a lot of circumstances that began to arise, and it felt like everyone or everything was against us on all sides. And I'm sitting here wallowing in my self-pity, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's never going to work out. This isn't the Lord's plan. And Jonathan was the level-headed one, and he was always the one that pursued me no matter what. No matter if he was the only one being attacked, he was always the one to pursue me and make me feel, what's the word I'm looking for? Made me feel like wanted, made me feel loved, even if I was the one attacking him. And he still does that. He makes me feel pursued. And so because he has pursued me so much, how do you think he'd feel if I totally neglected him and just pushed him to the side? (laughs) <laughs> Jake is putting his hand over his mouth. <laughs> that would make him feel terrible, and he probably wouldn't pursue me anymore, right? I mean, I wouldn't want to pursue someone who's like this all the time. Well, I mean, it's the same with God, except God is so much better than us man or women. And he still pursues us even whenever we have our hand out like this. When emotions begin to control if you talk to God or not, focus on the truth that God is still in pursuit of you. 
Whenever your emotions begin to take place and you begin to do this because of all the things going on in your life, because of any emotion you may be feeling and you're doing this, remember that God is still pursuing you no matter what. He did everything for you. He gave it all for you. And I'm going to take it back to a scripture that everyone knows, but it has so much power behind it. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. Every day we need to wake up with this scripture in the back of our mind because it's so powerful, guys. If we truly grasp everything that God gave up for us, we'd want to talk to him all the time. Imagine if someone in this room had saved your life. Wouldn't you want to be next to that person all the time and be thankful and be just praising them, saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving my life, thank you for doing this for me. Like, I wouldn't be alive right now if it wasn't for you. Like, why don't we do the same for God? God did that for us. He gave his only son for us. I can't imagine if I had a kid, I'm sorry, like that's my kid. Like I don't think I put his life on the altar when I didn't have to. So it's not an ordinary thing that he did for us. And I think the story of Jesus just becomes so ordinary because we hear it all the time. But it's not something that's ordinary. He gave his son. So when we say not today, God, because something isn't going the way we want it to, because we don't feel like talking about or addressing the situation, or because our feelings are just getting in the way of things, we need to remember that he sent his son. He gave his son. His son was beaten. His son was ridiculed. And he watched all this happen. It's not like he covered his eyes and looked away. He was watching all of it happen. He was crucified just so God could talk with us and have communion with us and have a relationship with us. So it's so heartbreaking for him when he gave all of that up and we don't take the time to do it. We let our circumstances control if we call on God each and every day. God shouldn't be our last resort. He should be the first person we call. So instead of focusing so much on our circumstances, we need to focus on God and to be reminded of the truth that he never gives up on you. He wants to talk to you, and he is totally in pursuit of you. You want to come up and do the piano? Actually, can I get the lights down, but then get, like, the the plug-in lights? That way people can still see. So, um, some of you may have told God, not today for a very long time. There have been many days where you just haven't had the courage to talk to God. You're too defeated by your situation or you just get angry and bitter and let your emotions control everything. Not today is becoming more and more of a routine for you. So I wanna do a little exercise, but I'm gonna tell a story first and I'm probably gonna cry, so just take it with ease. So I went to a seminar the other day, and it's a teacher seminar, and a teacher had did something um, with her students, and so I wanted to try it with mine, and what it was, was that she gave the students note cards or paper, something to write on, and it said, I want my teacher to know. And so she got responses from all these students, and it changed her perspective 
on their lives and where they were at and how she could teach them. Like it was just, it's super powerful. So I wanted to do with my students and um, I did. And I gave them little note cards that they could fill out and I have them right here. Some of them were just super sweet, like just normal things that kids would write. But some were really heartbreaking and made me feel broken. And so I'm going to go through them and I'm going to read them to you. And I'm going to explain why I'm reading to you after. So they said, I want my teacher to know I like school. Miss Oye is a nice teacher. I promise I didn't make them say that. <laughs> Another one says, I love my teacher, Miss Oye. She is nice. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin wrote, I love Miss Oye. And then he wrote, I wish I could come to your birthday. <laughs> Shaq. Um, I want my teacher to know I get bullied by fifth graders. I want my teacher to know I don't like school because I'm being bullied by students in my class. I want my teacher to know that I do not like my inclusion teacher because she's mean to me. I want my teacher to know me and my friends almost got shot last night. And I want my teacher to know I'm being bullied and people hurt me. I feel like no one makes me happy. I feel like I don't belong here. And my friends go and tell all my business. And sometimes it hurts when a close friend hurts me. It's hard to let go of stuff like that. I feel lonely. It is hard. And I'm trying to make someone proud of me. Guys, as hard as that, that exercise was for me to do, I'm so glad I did it because I feel like none of my kids would have been able to come up and tell me this stuff in person. And that hurts my heart to think that they just couldn't come up and tell me that. I want that kind of relationship where they could just come up and tell me anything. They can share their heart. They can tell me the things that they told me on these note cards. And the reason I shared all this with you is because God feels the exact same way about you. Those are like my kids. If something happens to them, I would stand up for them in a heartbeat. I get shot in their place in a heartbeat. Those are my kids. And that is the exact same way God feels about you. You are his kid. You are his child. You are the one that he wants the most. God just wants you to share your heart with him. He wants you to go home and he's the first person that you, you call on, guys. He wants to hear the good. He wants to hear the bad. He wants to hear the ugly. He wants to hear all the emotions going on inside of you. He wants to know about it. And we need to take the time to do it because he loves you. And he cherishes you. And he adores you. He sent his son for you. He gave his son for you. He loves you. And so, I say all that to say, 
there's a flashcard under your chair. Y'all can pick it up. <laughs> For the next one to two minutes, I know we always don't get the time to just sit down and be before the Lord. Maybe because it's a stressful day, maybe because of some of these reasons. But now you have the opportunity to do it. <laughs> it's a flashcard, and on it, it says, I want God to know. And I'm not taking these up. Don't think I'm going to go and read y'all business to all my kids because I shared all theirs with you. This is between you and God, and it's anything that you feel like you can't share by talking to Him. Anything that's locked up inside that you've been holding on to for so long, something that you just need to get out in the open before God. So just take these next one to two minutes as Sarah plays the piano, and I'm going to come back and close this out. y'all can keep finishing up if you're still writing that's fine um, I'm going to close this out in prayer and y'all be free to go God I just pray that everything that you spoke through me tonight something just one thing resonated with each and every one of these students and leaders everyone in this, this place 
God, I just pray that we know we can come to you. We know that you're in full pursuit of us. We know that you gave your son for us and how much you love us and cherish talking to us. God, I pray that we never take that for granted. That instead of saying not today, not today, that we know that we need you every day. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your love. We need to experience you every single day. I wasn't going to do this, but um, can I just have some of the leaders come up? If there's anything that you wrote on that card, something that you're dealing with, something that you feel like you want to stand in agreement for, you are more than welcome to come up to any of the leaders up here after the service. God, I just pray that each and every one of these students, as they leave, that they would experience you in a whole new way, that they would learn more about you, that they talk to you, that they commune with you, that they'd have an amazing relationship with you, Lord God, that you are the first person they call on each and every morning. You are the person they go to, to everything, for everything, for every emotion, for every situation, for everything, God. God, you are so good to us, and I just pray that you would keep these these students safe as they go home. I pray your protection. I pray your grace. I pray your mercy over them. And I just pray that you would fill them with your love and your goodness, Lord God. I praise you and I honor you. And I just thank you for every student that came here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.